Welcome, and thank you for joining Latter-day Stone Catchers, where we believe the gospel is love-centered and stones should be caught and never thrown. This is the first in a series of videos focused on the Come Follow Me curriculum for 2023, which is the New Testament. Now, before we get into the New Testament, which I am really excited about, the first lesson this year is actually titled, We Are Responsible for Our Own Learning. And I think this is a really important topic, and I do have some things I would like to share. Stick around to the end where I will also share some tips and tools that I use in my study that have made it a lot more meaningful. And I would also love it if you would share tips and tools that you have used in the comments below. Now, I recently became aware of a metaphor that originated in Buddhism that I think is perfectly applicable to the topic of being responsible for our own learning. Imagine someone is trying to show you the moon, and so they point to it. It would be easy to, rather than focusing on the moon, to actually look at the finger. And what can happen in this scenario is not only do you miss seeing the moon, but you could actually mistake the finger for the moon. Applying this metaphor to our own learning, I see our heavenly parents and our Savior Jesus Christ as the moon. And we have so many things, including canonized scriptures, the words of our modern day leaders, ordinances we participate in, and so many other things that are fingers pointing us to the moon. These can all be really good things, but they are only good insofar as they actually point us towards our heavenly parents and our savior, Jesus Christ. If we come across a teaching that does not point us towards our heavenly parents or towards our savior, Jesus Christ, or help us to become more like them, we can disregard that teaching and know that it is not true no matter its source. There are a few great examples of this in the scriptures. The first one that comes to mind is actually Isaiah chapter one. Now in this chapter, Isaiah is giving the children of Israel a pretty good rebuke for a very specific reason. We're going to look at verses 10 through 17. In verses 10 through 15, Isaiah makes it very clear what the problem is. He tells the children of Israel that their sacrifices have no purpose. In fact, he tells them to bring no more vain offerings and that their worship is an abomination before him. He even tells them that their Sabbaths and their solemn meetings are an iniquity to him. He tells them that he hates their new moons and their feasts. And these are all things they're commanded to do in the scriptures. But God is telling them through Isaiah that he actually hates these things, that he despises them, that they are iniquity. Now, how could that be? These are all things that he commanded them to do. But Isaiah makes it clear to them in verses 16 and 17 what they should actually be doing. On the screen, I'll put up the King James translation, but there are two other translations that I think make it even clearer. I'm going to read from the Rob Alter translation, which says, learn to do good, seek justice, make the oppressed happy, defend the orphan, and argue the widow's case. I love those words. Learn to do good, seek justice, and make the oppressed happy. This is what the gospel should be all about. This is what the children of Israel should be reminded of when they are worshiping in the temple. In fact, I believe God gave them their commandments, their rituals in the temple to remind them that this is what they should be doing in their everyday life. Unfortunately, they mistook those fingers that were pointing to the moon, their rituals, their sacrifices, their temple worship, their Sabbaths, as the moon itself. Rather than letting those things point them towards doing good, they focused on those things and made those their religion rather than actually doing good seeking justice and making the oppressed happy. So that's Isaiah chapter one. Another one that's in Isaiah is Isaiah chapter 29. And this is a verse you may be familiar with. Isaiah is telling the people that they draw near to God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And then in the last line of verse 13, 
he says, their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Again, looking at the Rob Alter translation, it actually reads as, their reverence for me was a commandment of men learned by rote, or learned by memorization, or muscle memory. Their reverence, their worship, their fear toward God was only learned by memorization or by ritual. Just like in Isaiah 1, it sounds like they were doing the things that should be teaching them how to treat those around them, but they weren't actually letting those things change them. They drew near with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. Another example in the Old Testament is in Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. And this is a similar message. It says, I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Amos is giving them a very similar message to what we just read in Isaiah, that God is not happy with their offerings, with their worship, with their rituals. And then verse 24 says this, But let judgment, which can be better translated as justice, run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. So he's telling us that justice and righteousness should be a part of everything that we do every day. That's how we should treat everybody, with justice, with righteousness. Rather than focusing on certain ordinances, rituals, or other things that we've been commanded to do in our worship. If it's not changing what we do in our everyday life, then we haven't done it correctly. And one more from the Old Testament, because this verse is actually quoted by Jesus in his earthly ministry. Let's turn to Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. And this is a short one. It says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So Hosea is telling us that God desires mercy more than sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So he has given the children of Israel ways to worship in the temple that should point them towards their heavenly parents. But they shouldn't be focusing on those things alone. They should be using them as tools to help remind them to treat others around them with mercy. And as I said, Jesus quotes this very scripture in his ministry. That's recorded in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. He says, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So this verse in Hosea was so important that Jesus even quoted it in his earthly ministry. Mercy is more important than sacrifices to be done in the temple. If the point of their worship, if the point of our worship, has been the worship itself, rather than actually treating those around us with mercy, we've missed the point. Going back to our fingers and the moon analogy, we've become too focused on the finger and have entirely missed the moon that it is trying to point us to. And that happens to all of us, and that's okay. The point is that we recognize it, realize we should be focusing on the moon rather than the fingers pointing to it. This analogy brings to mind a quote from Elder Neil L. Anderson from the 2018 April Conference. He said, a prophet does not stand between you and the Savior, rather he stands beside you and points the way to the Savior. This is how we should view any teaching from anybody that we come across. Not that we can trust that all teachings will point us to the Savior, but that nothing stands between us and our relationship with our Heavenly Parents and our Savior Jesus Christ. Nothing is between us and them. 
and we should search out teachings that help us to come closer to them and to become more like them. Now, I'm sure we can all think of examples in church history or maybe even recently where teachings from a prophet didn't feel like they were pointing us to our heavenly parents and our savior Jesus Christ. And I don't think we should necessarily be surprised if that happens sometimes, because we know that nobody is perfect. I believe they're doing their best, but they're not perfect. We shouldn't ask them to be. We are responsible for our own learning. We can take the things that are being taught and we can decide for ourselves whether they're pointing us toward the savior and our heavenly parents or whether they're not. And if they're not, we should disregard them. If they are, we should follow them. We are responsible for our own learning, nobody else. Now, given the amount of scripture and modern day teachings that we have available to us, I think we really need a compass or a North Star to help us decide whether something is actually pointing us toward our heavenly parents and our savior or not. Now, each of us will have to decide for ourselves what our own personal North Star or compass will be, but let me tell you what mine are. The first that comes to mind is the Savior's teaching when he was asked which commandment in the law is most important. His response, of course, was that there are two great commandments. And this is in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That is an incredible compass to help us know whether or not what we're learning, what we're hearing, is pointing us toward our heavenly parents and our Savior Jesus Christ or not. Is it teaching us to love them and to love those around us? If not, it's not true. Another big one for me is 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Just three words from that verse. God is love. There is no clearer definition of my understanding of God than that right there. God is love. Again, if it's not teaching us to love, then I just don't believe it. That's my North Star. That's my compass. There's a couple quotes from some modern day leaders that I really like as well. Thomas S. Monson said that love is the very essence of the gospel. That's powerful. And Dieter F. Uchtdorf taught that love is the defining characteristic of a disciple of Christ. So if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, love should be our defining characteristic. Of course, there are other things to learn, other things to do, but love should be our defining characteristic. And let me just share two more quotes from Richard Rohr. The first is, we must remember that Christianity in its maturity is supremely love-centered. The second, the only people that Jesus seemed to exclude were precisely those who refused to know that they were ordinary sinners like everyone else. The only thing he excluded was exclusion itself. All of these scriptures and quotes, for me, form my compass, form my north star on whether a teaching points me toward my heavenly parents and becoming more like them or do not. If a teaching that I hear, no matter its source, doesn't go through this filter of love and inclusion, then I don't think that it brings me closer to God. 
So I disregard it, and I think that's what it means to be responsible for our own learning. There's a legend of two Jewish rabbis that I think is really applicable here. There was a Gentile who was interested in learning about Judaism, but he thought the Torah was a little bit too much, maybe that it was too complicated, or that religion just shouldn't be that voluminous. Whatever the reason, he went to a certain rabbi, Shammai, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and said, I would like to join your religion, but I need for you to explain the entire Torah to me while I balance on one foot. I don't know how great the guy's balance was, but no matter how good it was, I don't think you'd be able to explain the entire Torah, which is the first five books of Moses, while somebody is standing on one foot. It's just not going to happen. So Shammai was insulted, threw the man out of his house. This man went to a second rabbi, Rabbi Hillel, and asked him to do the same. Please explain the Torah to me while I balance on one foot. Rabbi Hillel thought for a moment, and this was his response. What is hateful to you, do not to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is the explanation of this. Go and study it. That was Rabbi Hillel's North Star, his compass. Now there are a lot of other teachings in the five books of Moses, but for Rabbi Hillel, his North Star, his compass was, does this teach me, does this help me to treat my neighbor as I would like to be treated? To him, that's what the scriptures were all about. We need to decide for ourselves what our North Star, what our compass is, so that we become responsible for our own learning. There are two reasons why I think it's so important to have this compass or this North Star. The first is so that we don't blindly accept teachings that don't point us toward our heavenly parents or our savior Jesus Christ or wherever it is that we're trying to go. There have been very many well-intentioned people that have taught things that made sense to them, but in the end don't actually point us toward God. We need to be careful not to accept those teachings. But second, and maybe more difficult, is that unless we have this compass or this North Star, we may actually reject teachings that could point us further toward our heavenly parents and help us draw closer to them, but because they come from a source we didn't expect, or because they even make us a little bit uncomfortable, we reject them. We do not want to do that. It reminds me of another favorite quote from Elder Uchtdorf. He said, We can block the growth and knowledge our heavenly father intends for us, how often has the Holy Spirit tried to tell us something we needed to know but couldn't get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew? I love that last part. How often has the Holy Spirit tried to tell us something we needed to know but couldn't get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew? Now, I can definitely think of a few iron gates in my personal life that I kept closed for a long time time. And because of that, I was prevented from coming closer to my heavenly parents and the healer, Jesus Christ. But thankfully, as I've continued to study the words of Jesus Christ, those iron gates have slowly begun to open and I have been able to come closer than ever before to my heavenly parents. It is so important that we not keep those iron gates closed. There are many things that we may think that we know that are preventing us from coming closer to our heavenly parents. Now, that doesn't mean we accept everything. All it means is that we go back to our compass, to our North Star, and examine the things that we know, or the things that we are hearing that might make us uncomfortable, and decide if they actually will bring us closer to our heavenly parents. 
as we do that, we will learn more than we ever have before. At least I know that I have. An important note here, I don't think that having modern day prophets and apostles gives us a free pass on any of this. I have personally sat in many Sunday school lessons, one very recently, where comments were made and things were taught that gave the idea that because we have prophets and apostles, they will give us what we need to know about God, about our heavenly parents, and about our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, they can and will teach us good things, but having prophets and apostles absolutely does not give us a free pass on being responsible for our own learning. In fact, they've given us this lesson to remind us that we are responsible for our own learning. If we believe that prophets and apostles will simply give us everything that we need to know at the right time and in the right way, we are mistaking the finger for the moon. We're not focused on our Savior Jesus Christ. We're not looking to him. We're looking only to prophets and apostles. And that is not the relationship that our heavenly parents want us to have with them. We are responsible for our own learning. This, of course, does not mean that we should ignore our leaders or their teachings. They are good people. They have been called, they have been set apart even, to help us come closer to our heavenly parents. And I believe that they are doing their very best to do that. But as I mentioned earlier in the video, they are not perfect and we should not expect them to be. We need to take responsibility and develop a personal relationship with our heavenly parents. Another quote from Dallin H. Oaks comes to mind. He said once, as a general authority, it is my responsibility to preach general principles. When I do, I don't try to define all the exceptions. I only teach the general rules. Whether an exception applies to you is your responsibility. You must work out individually between you and the Lord. Again, focusing on that personal relationship we should have with our heavenly parents. Our leaders, the scriptures, and other things can and will help guide us, but we need to take personal responsibility. Accept those things that bring us closer to our heavenly parents and reject those things that do not, no matter what their source is. In the most recent general conference, Elder Renlund talked about personal revelation. He said, personal revelation rightly belongs to individuals. You can receive revelation, for example, about where to live, what career path to follow, or whom to marry. Church leaders may teach doctrine and share inspired counsel, but the responsibility for these decisions rests with you. That is your revelation to receive. That is your runway. Now, our personal revelation definitely extends beyond choosing what our career should be, who we should marry, or where we should live. Those aren't the only three things that we should be deciding based on personal revelation and in all other areas of our life, just following the teachings of other people. I cannot imagine that that's what Elder Renland meant. What he is teaching us is that we will learn things from our church leaders and from other sources, and it is our responsibility to make decisions in our personal lives what we will do. It is our responsibility to develop that relationship with our heavenly parents, and everything that goes into that should be led by personal revelation, not just because somebody who we've sustained said it. I know for me, as I have relied on personal study and personal revelation, my relationship with my heavenly parents and with the healer, Jesus Christ, has become so much more real and so much more powerful. I believe that if you do the same, you can have that same experience. And it is wonderful. Now, some tips and tools that have helped me to make my personal study better. 
Hopefully they work for you. Again, I would love to hear what some of yours are down in the comments below. First of all, especially as we're reading the Bible, get more translations. My favorite for the Old Testament is by Robert Alter. It's this one up here. I have learned more about the Old Testament this last year while reading that translation than I ever did, sadly, from reading the classic King James Version. This is great. It's still what I use for my markings and, all, and to write my quotes in, but I love reading that Robert Alter translation as a supplement to my learning. It has increased my understanding of the Old Testament a thousand times. Now, that translation is only the Hebrew Bible. It doesn't include the New Testament. So if you're looking specifically for the New Testament, there's two translations that I think are really great. The first, I'm going to get it down. The first is this New Oxford Annotated Bible. You can get this on Amazon, and it is an awesome study help. It, of course, has the NRSV translation, but at the bottom, let me open up to somewhere. So you've got the verses at the top there, and then at the bottom, hopefully you can see that, there's a whole bunch of commentary and explanation as to what's going on. It gives different translation possibilities. It's really helpful in understanding the scriptures. And this is the entire Bible, the New Oxford Annotated Bible. Super helpful. I really like this. I take this with me almost every week to church because it's a lot easier to read. It's a lot easier to understand. And those footnotes at the bottom are really helpful. The only reason I wouldn't take this to church with me is because I was taking whatever volume of the Robert Alter translation we were studying at that time in the Hebrew Bible. So this is awesome. It will help a ton. And I'll actually put a link to this down in the description below. So if you want to pick it up, you can use that link to find it really easy on Amazon. If you're looking for something that's just the New Testament, this is a translation by Thomas Wayment, who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And this is just the New Testament. I bought this one used. I didn't put these tabbies on uh, at the time. I don't know that they were even printing anymore, but I think it recently came back into print. So I'll put a link to this down below where you can get it on Amazon as well. Uh, but this is a similar format to the NRSV. You can see there's the verses up above, but then down below there's study helps and other things, maps, all that good stuff. And this translation is much easier to read than the King James Version as well. Um, it's also a lot lighter than this one. So if you want the entire Bible, this is this is really great. I like the NRSV. It's easy to read, and the study helps in here are fantastic. This also includes the Apocrypha, if that matters to you. Um, but if you want something that's uh, from an from an LDS source and just the New Testament, then this one's really really good too. I like it. Now, if you don't want to buy a book, that's okay. There's a really cool website called BibleHub.com. I think you can find that just in case. I'll put a link below that you can click on. Honestly, I would just Google Bible Hub and then a verse that I'm looking at. Um, and the cool thing is it will show you a ton of different translations for that verse. It can be a little tedious to read. So I don't usually use the website unless I'm looking very closely at just one specific verse because it will show you 20 translations. I don't know how many. A lot of translations for just one verse. And this can be so powerful to help you understand what is going on in that verse, what's being taught. I use it almost every time I'm studying the scriptures because it just really helps to bring extra understanding to what's going on. I'll show an example on the screen of the verse we looked at at the beginning, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17, where the King James Version is a little bit more opaque, but some of these other versions are much clearer on what it's getting at. Another resource that's really helpful is Strong's Concordance of the Bible. I have a big paper copy sitting up here, right there, on the shelf. You don't need to buy a paper copy. There's a lot of websites that you can use that have all this information electronically and it's a lot easier to use. What it is, 
As you know, the Bible was originally written not in English. Most of the Old Testament is in Hebrew. Most of the New Testament is in Greek. Strong's Concordance will tell you for any word in the Bible that you're looking at, you can see what other verses in the Bible that same Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic word was used and what it was translated as in those other verses. That can be really powerful to help you get a fuller understanding of what that original Greek or Hebrew word may mean and what the author's intent was in using that word. One of my favorite examples is from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. You may be familiar with this verse, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. The word that's translated from Hebrew to the English word reason, we can look that up in Strong's Concordance and see what other English words that Hebrew word was translated to. That has changed a lot how I think about God's judgment. Because in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, the idea seems to be not that God is trying to punish us, but rather he is working with us saying, let's talk about this, let's figure this out. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. So that has really impacted the way that I think about judgment. Strong's Concordance is really cool. I'll put a link below to one of my favorite websites where I like to use that. And there are a lot of them. So if you have others that you like more, I'd actually love to hear about those in the comments. Now, in a slightly different vein, another thing I've really enjoyed in preparing for the New Testament is actually the video series, The Chosen. Now, you may or may not be familiar with it. It's a beautiful video series put together that depicts the life of Christ. And it is available seasons one and two on Amazon Prime. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can actually download the Chosen app and I think view all seasons one and two for free. Now, of course, there's some interpretation that goes into the way these videos are presented, but I love the way that they depict the life of Jesus Christ and those around him. One specific thing that has really helped me to understand is what it may have been like for Matthew as a tax collector to then become an apostle of Jesus Christ and what he may have endured as a part of that. That's been a powerful lesson to me in watching The Chosen. I highly recommend it. My wife and I have both really enjoyed it and so have our children who are currently ages 9, 11, and 13. So definitely check that out. The last one I have to mention, because I'm an early morning seminary teacher, I have found that it really helps me in my study if I imagine myself having to teach whatever it is I'm learning about to a room full of teenagers. They will have questions, they will have things that don't make sense, and you will need to explain those to them. So if you approach your study in a way that you have to teach this to an early morning seminary class, that can really deepen your study. So those are some tips and tools that I have found make a big difference in my personal study and as I develop that personal relationship with my heavenly parents and the healer, Jesus Christ. I would love to hear what some of yours are and please tune in again next week for our next video which is focused on Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. There's some amazing things in there that I cannot wait to get to. God loves you. I love you. Remember, catch stones, don't throw them.